Hello and welcome to Thespian Talk 2.0, Episode 4. This is the show for October 9th, 2010. I am your host, Gomer the Ranting Thespian, and back with me this week is the lovely Lady Renee. Hey, people. Sorry I was out. Yes, and we have a special guest co-host this week. It is Obscurus Lupa. Hello. Yes. We got Lupa to come in here because we like her. We think she is awesome. Think? No. Well, okay. We don't think she's awesome. We know she's awesome. Yes. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Um, For those who don't know, and if you don't know where the hell have you been, Lupa is one of the newest contributors for That Guy with the Glasses, and she does, what is it, Z-grade movies? Yeah, Z-grade movies. (laughs) Yeah, Z-grade movies, and she is extremely entertaining. You should go watch her after you listen to this show. (laughs) Well, yes, listen to us all the way through first, just so that we can feel validated. Yes, we must have validation. (laughs) It's important. Yes, so... Uh, before we get into the news, Renee, how was your week? Oh my goodness, my week. Um, well, uh, apparently I have a parasite growing in my abdomen that is going to burst out at some point and be showered with cookies and nothings. It's called a baby. The strange new invention. Don't know if you've heard of it. You make people in your uterus. It's weird. Yay! Well, congratulations. <laughs> I, love, I love the way you made it sound like it was an alien. Just, <laughs> okay, I honestly wasn't thinking of that, but <laughs> points to me for accidentally going there. Yes. <laughs> uh, how's your week been, Lupa? Oh, it's been good. Been good? Work. been doing a new video. It should be out on the 14th, and... Well, that's about it. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Yay. <laughs> All right. So um, so if you'll notice, before you even started on the show, we actually have a new title card. Yay. So it's drawn by uh, Nelluffy, who, who, whose uh, Art account will be in the credits or somewhere. I think I'll put the account in the uh, opening credits. So you should have already seen that by now. Um, that's assuming enough- you remember, too. Yes, and I will remember. <laughs> but, for now, let's jump right into the news. First story comes out of Tupelo, Mississippi. A Mississippi yeah, judge... Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> a Mississippi judge ordered an attorney to spend several hours in jail Wednesday after the attorney chose not to recite the Pledge of Allegiance in court. The Northeast Mississippi yeah. Daily Journal reported that the Chancery Judge Tom... Talmadge Littlejohn told a court audience to rise and say the pledge. People in the courtroom said Danny Lampley of Oxford stood but did not say the words. Which, I don't see why that's a big deal. Plenty of people do. You know? Maybe it's, maybe they're all grade school lawyers. Maybe. I mean, I'm sorry, but I stood and didn't say pledge in high school and I didn't get... Hell, I even sat backwards on my desk and raised my middle finger and they decided to just call it protesting. <laughs> wow. Now, now, see, I've actually heard stories of people doing something like that, but they would get in trouble. Well, they were kind of used to me at that point. Yeah. It's like, oh, we don't mind her. <laughs> she, she's she's she just rebelling. <laughs> I'm just, I'm more confused by the judge's name. <laughs> yeah. Almat Littlejohn. Yeah. What? Who named who? Oh, 
I had already scrolled down. I'm looking at the wrong story. Talmadge. <laughs> what? Who names their child Talmadge anyway? They're like, well, we already got the name Little John. Why don't we come up with some name that we made up on the spot? Talmadge. Talmadge. That's good. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, let's take some Scrabble pieces, throw them out a wall, put a little gum on the back of each of them. It's like, oh, those are the ones that suck. Okay, put them together and say, Thomas Talmadge. You know what? I like it because I'm drunk. Yeah. You know, I have uh, little John walking through the forest. <laughs> <laughs> Make uh, people they say were the very merry. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and I have to wonder, and this is so an obvious one. Are they named Little John for obvious reasons? I don't know. Huh. Makes you wonder. The hmm. uh, obvious reasons of what sort, though. I mean, come on. One of the obvious reasons could be, ooh, the parents are, you know, really big Robin Hood fans. Or it... It's probably the one you're thinking of, Renee. That was the one I was thinking of. They just have an outhouse that's really tiny. There you go. Ooh! <laughs> And yeah. they're like, what's our last name going to be? Hmm, Little John. Yep. Because we have the Little Johns. Uh, Good Hope, Illinois. Authority said sleeping behind the wheel wasn't the only problem for a western Illinois man they caught napping at a gas station. Uh-oh. They said 26-year-old Adam Bar- Barcroft also had a meth lab in the bed of his truck. Mc- what? <laughs> the McDonough wait, wait, County- hold on, stop, stop, stop. Um, in your meth lab in your truck? Yes. Don't pa- those things explode at the touch of a twig? I mean, they're worse than pantyhose. I have heard of people, and I think Lupa has too, heard of people, you know, doing the shake and bake thing and blow up in their faces while they're driving down the road. <laughs> yeah, we had a house blow up because there's a meth lab in it in my neighborhood. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, well, I bet a- that was fun. We actually had one in our area. In our area, one blew up. I think it was maybe a week or two ago. And at first, we thought one of my family members was involved, but it turned out he wasn't. And I was like, I don't blame you for thinking it. I mean, you are in Florida. Yeah. You know, it's like if you're going to have a meth lab, it's dumb in the first place. But why would you put it really close to gasoline? Yeah. Really close to something flammable. Maybe. Maybe they had a. Death wish? Or maybe he was a discount suicide bomber. Oh! <laughs> and maybe he was really happy when he went. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but... Ah. Uh, uh, sold his house for meth or something. Must have. <laughs> Just... Uh, I've not, I, don't, I don't understand the appeal of meth to begin with. I mean, it's like, okay, it's a drug. Okay, big deal. There are other drugs out there that probably have better appeal and are better for you, and not so volatile. You know, like I, I don't think better is the word so much as less bad. Yeah, well, technically, one and the same. No, not connotatively speaking. No. Well, still, there are a lot of other drugs out there that are not as volatile. They do not explode yeah, easily. Meth addicts are stupid, though. <laughs> yeah. And if you get them off meth, they get they go crazy. They start seeing shadows everywhere. And incidentally, I'm also describing my ex-girlfriend. Ugh. Oh wow! Yeah, we, we do need to get you out of Florida. But, but yeah. Was she on meth, or did she just have problems? Like she was just crazy. Actually, both. Oh, 
What? By the time I had met her, she was off of meth, but she had been on it before. Because, but it's odd because you think of a meth addict, you think of somebody really, really skinny, right? Like skinny no. bones, teeth falling out, that sort of thing. No. Well, okay, you made it. I think I but. I don't know what to think of a meth addict. I've never seen a TV show where they were portrayed as some, you know, exaggerated stereotype. I've also never met one. Yeah. Well, my ex, she wasn't exactly fitting the stereotype of, you know, skinny, teeth rotted meth addict. She looked absolutely normal. So. Hmm. Well, they could, you know, it's the kind of the mental image you get is because of, like, all the ads they have, the shock ads, things to, to get you to realize the consequences. But, I mean, it's just like any other drug. Like, there's, you know, it's, it, you know, that's the worst that could happen kind of thing, but yeah. not there's everyone will that as soon as they take meth, you know? Yeah, that's true. Uh, which which brings me to another thought. Around here, we, we are kind of known for meth in the state, and there are no signs, no anti-meth signs. However, I lived in Casper, Wyoming for a little while, and there were like 20 different meth signs between my house and my place of work, which I think was like two and a half miles. So it was like, and I didn't see very many meth addicts. Then again, I didn't really hang around with people like that when I was up there, so go figure. They have a lot of them in Arizona. I mean, like there's a big meth problem, you know. I think it's just sort of, you know, how the authorities choose to tackle it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the next time I'm down in Central Florida, I'll see if there's any meth signs. Because I've heard that place is really bad. Yeah. Uh, in Belmont, Massachusetts. A Massachusetts woman faces assault charges after Belmont police said she hit a motorist in the face with a bag of dog feces. What? <laughs> police said Tuesday that the woman, whose name has not been released, admitted tossing doggy dung at the driver because she believed he was speeding. Belmont Lieutenant Rent Santagello said the woman initially contacted police last week and reported that she was walking her dog when she saw the motorist nearly hit a man on a bicycle. Santagello said the motorist contacted the police the next day to report being struck in the face with dog feces. The woman has char the woman was charged with assault and battery with a dangerous weapon <laughs> property and disorderly conduct. No remand date has been set. <laughs> I can understand the assault and battery, but how is doggy do dangerous? Well, I mean, that is I mean, somebody I mean, swallow it, maybe, but it's like the case of somebody who's driving. Fair enough. The, it's like the acid spit or the 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 uh, the stuff that that dinosaur in Jurassic Park like you get in the eyes and then pff, gone, can't see anything. Not yeah, true. I can see that, but that's. <laughs> I have to admit, that is probably something a lot of us have wanted to do to somebody who's just been a bad driver. Either that not, or... Not, I, did, I have never wanted to throw doggy poo at somebody, although I'm, I'm glad they said she was walking her dog, because at least we now know where it came from. Yeah. Because initially it was like, what, what, does she have just this arsenal of animal feces <laughs> ready to be thrown at people? Does she have a special catapult in her front yard? You know, is she the, is she the poo warrior? <laughs> oh, and having different types of poo for different offenses. Like for speeders, she does doggy poo. But for, you know, people who are just running down the road and trying to harass somebody, she'll throw cat turds at them. I don't know. You know, I think the only thing that would make this story more awesome is if that woman was the dinosaur from Jurassic Park. That would make it awesome. And this, like, she just frilled out her little frills and she's like, 
Doggy do. Yes. Yeah, but then, really? but then it would be it would end up being more awesome after that because then the dinosaur would have ate him, and that would have been cool. I think. I don't um, think being eaten by a dinosaur would be particularly fun on that given day. I mean, that would just really. No, but it would be cool. It'd be gross too. She'd be eating the poo. Yeah. Ew. I am not. Gross, thank ew. you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Indianapolis. Oh dear God! <laughs> no. I knew that was coming. Money doesn't grow on trees, but it seemed to fall from the sky in Indianapolis. When? Police said that three bundles of money fell off the back of an armored car Wednesday near an intersection in the heart of downtown Indianapolis. A car oh. hit one of the bundles and sent bills blowing into the breeze. Oh, okay. Yeah, I heard about this on CNN the other day when I was at the campus cafeteria. Yeah, apparently like this uh, married couple um, kind of, they came across a bundle of it and they didn't think it was real money. So they were calling the cops to report uh, fake money being tossed out of this truck and then they found out it was real but a whole bunch of people apparently tried to get away with the cash and this married couple was practically harassing them getting there's like no no it, it's fake it's been manufactured you don't want to do that we're calling the cops <laughs> uh, this, yeah don't don't run up with that it's fake I, I, I'm probably pessimistic on this one but <laughs> Or pessimistic sounding on this one, maybe. I don't know if that's the word I want to use. But I just have this thought in the back of my mind thinking, yeah, they're just saying it's fake boots so they can run off with more. Yeah, they, they honestly... I'm, that may be what you're thinking if you're in the situation, but they honestly did think that it was falsified cash. Yeah. Because, I don't know, maybe they didn't recognize the way that the money was made or something. I mean, some people are sheltered enough to not recognize the new bills. It, it's not that uncommon. But I also... I mean, how often do you see story like, makes it sound like Yeah. The story makes it sound like there were individual bills being thrown out and whatnot. No, these were all flying around in packets hmm. of a good $10,000 per pack. So these are not people picking up individual bills. They were picking up packs of sequentials. Wow. Wow. So, <laughs> man. What wow. I want to know is why this money wasn't secured. Or, I mean, you are in a money truck. The money's supposed to be secured. The money's also not supposed to be, you know, in loose packs. Yeah. Seriously, I want to interrogate the driver. I want to interrogate the guy who loaded the truck. This sounds like severe gross negligence. That's probably what it is. The story didn't really go into it much about why. I don't know if it was to cover up anything or if they just didn't have it, but they didn't really go into why. Well, neither did the CNN story, which is what makes me curious. Yes. I like to think that they were transporting the money for Scrooge McDuck. There you go. Jeez. had money signs on them. Yeah. Treasure bath! <laughs> I'm sorry, that's Tom DeLuise. Oops. <laughs> All right, now we're gonna we're we're gonna get into the one you know more heavy serious story for this time. Didn't want to put it first because I didn't want to put it last either. And the reason why I don't think I re I don't think I explained it last week, but the reason why I want to put in one heavier or more serious story is give some, some people something to think about, something to discuss, 
whether with us, with each other, that, that sort of thing. And even some things that you probably need to hear, just in case you haven't heard it yet. So, this one people may have already heard about, but we're doing it anyway, because I want to hear everybody's opinions on it. David Barton, an evangelical and social conservative, well-known for his somewhat revisionist history and appearances on Glenn Beck's show, yesterday took, a, took the opportunity on his radio show to, age, to ask that age-old question. Why don't we regulate homosexuality? Barton was talking about the government's involvement in the health of American people. We have a Department of Health and Human Services. We have health care bills. We have health insurance. And we're trying to stop all unhealthy things, so we're going after trans fats, and we're going after transparency and labeling to make sure we get all the healthy stuff in there. And he continued, So if I got to the Centers for Disease Control and I'm concerned about health, I find some in interesting stats there, and this should tell me something about health. Homosexual slash bisexual individuals are seven more like seven times more likely to contemplate or commit suicide. Ooh, that doesn't sound very healthy. And I'm going to stop right there because I want to say that if there's any reason why the suicide rates might be higher in homosexuals and bisexuals, I would say a good portion of that is because of assholes like him driving them to want to commit suicide by making them feel like they're subhuman and not really mattering to the rest of the goddamn population. Yes, that oh, I, I I wanted to go on a text rant about that particular part alone on my Facebook, but I said no 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 no. I'll post the link, but I'm going to save it for the show. You uh, need a blog. I do have a blog. <laughs> you need, then you needed to go with this on your blog. Yeah, but I also like. You can do it post show. I mean, I, I doubt the rant is gone. Yeah, that's true. I want to know how. Why don't we regulate homosexuality? Is an age old question. Yeah, when when did we when did Americans or anywhere else anybody else in the world decide, hey, we need to regulate this stuff? Then are Hold on, I'm looking at the story here. I, yeah. I have copy and there oh ooh. Uh oh I want to talk on this one. Quote nearly one half of practicing homosexuals admit to five hundred or more sex partners and nearly one third admit to a thousand or more sex partners in a lifetime. Close quote. Seriously, 500? 500. 500. Admit, admit to 500 or more sex partners, nearly one-third admit to a thousand. What? Hold on. Okay. Here's the thing I, I want to talk about. Are the only people he's ever spoken to in the porn industry? That's what I'm wondering. Because it's easy to rack up that much in the porn industry. Yes, it is. And actually, most guys in gay porn are straight. Yeah. They're in it for the money. Gay for pay. Like, how was it that um, Adam put it the other day? Hmm, I can make 250 for a scene with a female, or I think it was like a thousand bucks for a dude. Yeah. Huh. If you're motivated, if you're motivated enough by money, you'll do the dude. <clears throat> yeah, and you do get paid substantially more. For gay porn scenes, especially the orgy scenes, wow. than you do for straight porn. Every or almost every male in the porn industry has been in a gay porn, and most of them started out there for financial reasons. Yeah. I can name one right off the top of my head that definitely did that. I think it was Peter North who did that. However, it is proof that having sex with a guy does not necessarily make you gay. Exactly. Uh, because isn't 
this, that sexuality for Nidla? Doesn't that work for attraction? Not necessarily who you would have yeah. sex with? Yeah. I mean, I call myself a 90-10 lesbian, technically speaking, because the back... <clears throat> wow, my throat today. The vast majority of the time, I am attracted to women. Every once in a while, I'll find a guy who makes me interested, but it's mostly girls. Yeah. And people get all fussy because I was in the closet for a while and I was mostly with dudes, but hey, that's what the closet's for. Exactly. It's Sex does not equate to attraction. If it was, there would be no such thing as rape. Yeah. I, I think you got a right, good point there. Lupa, do you have any thoughts on this story? I don't know why even the number of partners is um, put out there in the story, like what, what it has to do with this point about not being healthy. I mean, statistically, the more likely it is that you are going to get a horrible, horrible, horrible STD. Yeah, but, the, you know, he's kind of ignoring there's a lot of straight people that could have that many partners, too, you know? that aren't aren't very careful. There's a lot of straight people that have um that pass it around, pass stuff around but but um I don't know, like it's kind of a, a hard issue for me to to tackle because um as a Christian it's something that I can't um that I <laughs> It's it's something that I that I don't believe in. It's not. It doesn't make me look down on homosexual people. It doesn't make me think that they're any less of people than than anyone else. So, and on that, uh, you know, as, as far as the story is concerned, I think this guy's an asshole. You know. There you go. <laughs> That's the important part. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm not, you know, I, I, yeah. What do you mean? Don't believe in? It's it's not. It's just it's something I can't support as a Christian. But it doesn't mean that I'm I'm looking down on anyone who is homosexual. I'm not going to tell them their business. But it's just right. a, a religious belief. You know? Well, it's just the way that you said it sounded like. Um, I mean, no, I know this is what you meant, but the way it was phrased sounded like you know you put homosexuals up there with unicorns. No, no, I, 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 I don't mean that. No, the fictional, the the mystical gay person. I saw one once. Believe me, I read about him in a book. Well, I gay people too, and um, every one of them that I met is the nicest person, even nicer than most straight people that I met. So, yeah. or or bisexual people, you know, it's so. So yeah. what I, the vibe I'm getting is. You're not into it. You don't do it, but you're not gonna damn a guy for being that way. No. All right. So that's 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 the important part. That's As many many fangirls suddenly go, why? <laughs> oh. No, they're out there. Well, probably. Everybody, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there were a couple of gay guys looking at me like, yeah, how you doing? And I'd have to be like, yeah, I'm comfortable in my sexuality, but not that comfortable. <laughs> yeah. uh, no offense to any of them out there. I, 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 I play around. But um, anyways, next story is from Memphis, Tennessee. Police say a 45-year-old Memphis man, angry over two teen sagging pants, shot one in the buttocks during an <laughs> argument. 
I was shot in the dog. He faces aggravated assault charges. The boys were walking through a southeast Memphis neighborhood when Kenneth E. Bond yelled at them to pull up their pants according to an arrest document. Police Sergeant Ron Perry said the teens refused and the three began arguing in the street. Bond then brandished a semi-automatic pistol and threatened to shoot the teens. Perry said Bond fired several rounds, several shots rather, and hit one of, the one of the teens as the pair ran away. The teen's wound wasn't critical. The other wasn't injured in the September 25th shooting first reported by Commercial Appeal in Memphis. Shooting somebody because their pants are too low? Yes. It's totally extreme. Not, okay, stop and think about this for a minute. Your pants sagging below your ass is prison speak for I take it up the ass. If you aren't looking at it that way, you're looking at it from the position of I'm following some, you know, awesome rapper. I don't think rappers are awesome, but they think rappers are awesome. And rappers, a lot of them, like to brag about, ooh, this has how many times I've been shot. So either you're wanting to get ass raped in the middle of the street, or you're saying, I want to get shot. He's just fulfilling their wishes. Well, there you go. That's one way to look at it. You've been ass raped by a bullet. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah. He really was. He was ass raped by a bullet. There you go. Except he missed the hole. Yeah, well, not everybody has perfect aim, and I'm sure some guy in prison has complained about that at some point. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, but, uh, still, just, their, their pants are being pulled down. Number one, I, I absolutely hate that particular style of fashion. I hate it. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it looks good. I don't care if you're male I don't know or how you can call it fashion. Well, I don't know how I'm calling it fashion either, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> but, but, that said, it's not my place to say, hey, you need to pull up your pants. If you're under my care, I may have a right to do that. If you're in my school or any place that enforces a dress code, yeah, you have a right to do that there. But if you're out on the street, don't worry about it. You know, let them be. If they want to look foolish, if they want to advertise to the world that they take it up the tailpipe, or if they, or if they've shot even in the tailpipe, let them do it. Well, if you're running along on a college campus, complaining to the world about how you're about to be late, and you are holding your pants up by the crotch while you're half shuffling along, I am going to yell at you: pull up your pants and invest in a belt, dipshit, or you're <laughs> going to continue being late. Yeah. It's like, if you want to get somewhere on time while you're having to hold up your pants with your hands, you know, invention called a belt, hi, then you're asking to be late if you're not starting out somewhere early. You know, if you're going to have unintelligent clothing, be intelligent about it. Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> How does that work, exactly? Very carefully. <laughs> I think I think we're missing the point here. And that's What's that he shot them because their pants were too low. Yeah, that, it wasn't that's... just it wasn't just he was bothering them. He was yelling at them. He shot them. He yeah. didn't say. And, you know, I don't know. I don't think his intention was to shoot them in the ass either. Like, was he gonna murder them because his, their pants weren't high enough? Yeah, that that is that's uh, that's. He might have been wanting to aim low, but they turned around before it could shoot. Oh, yeah, you're not wearing your pants properly, so I'm going to make sure you can't have kids. Well, yeah, either way, regardless. Yeah, regardless, though, the, I think we all can agree the shooting was a little extreme on the guy's part. Yeah. Just a little bit. 
And it's funny because we're about. completely detached from it. Yeah. So. We may have overreacted just a little. Just a tiny yeah. bit. That would be like me. That would be like me hitting a guy with my car just because he was wearing a Florida State Seminole shirt. You know, a little bit of an overreaction. Huh. And pe- some people probably could do that down here too. Ooh. I hate football season sometimes. <laughs> or like a cheerleader's mom killing the other cheerleaders so that she can get on the team. Remember that from our first show? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, That's it. Yes. But this next story... <laughs> speaking of my part of the country... <laughs> we, we, yes, we have a Florida story coming up. Oh, boy. Oh, uh, yes. Brandonton, Florida. When Sheriff... Oh. When Sheriff... I can't speak. I English well. English good today. I English good. That has become my catchphrase every time <laughs> on the show. At some point, I have to tell you, you English good today because it's always true. Yes. Brandonton, Florida. When sheriff's deputies allegedly discovered a bags, a bags, that is what is typed, a bags of marijuana and cocaine between a man's buttocks, they said he gave a quick explanation. Manatee County deputies said, Raymond Stanley Roberts told him, the white stuff is not mine, but the weed is. Well played. <laughs> First of all, why are you shoving somebody else's shit up your ass? As <laughs> disgusting Indeed. as that sounds, you know, just why? Um, yeah. Maybe it's part of their subby contract. It might be. Well, I mean, just uh, I wouldn't even admit you know, having. You know what this kind of reminds me of is you guys ever watch that show Titus? No. I the, the, the sitcom that was on a while ago? I can't say that I have. Okay, I promise this is leading somewhere, but they they had an episode where the dumb brother got arrested, right? And, uh, they, like, they were arguing over... Like, it was because his dad took him into the police because they were arguing over whose who's VCR it was. And inside it, they found a bag of marijuana. And they, they take it out, and they're like, we found this inside the VCR. And so the brother is like, all right, the VCR is his, but the weed is mine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Claim your weed. The weed is precious. Yes. Oh. But yeah, that's... that's and we, we actually have two Florida stories this week. And this other one is from St. Petersburg. Less than 24 hours after a family was held hostage at gunpoint, police said it happened again, this time with a bizarre twist. A woman was forced to melt butter, and one of two armed men rubbed it on her chest while robbing her home late Monday night, police said. She wasn't injured, police said, because the butter was cooled before she poured it on herself. The woman said the men searched her kitchen cabinets for cooking oil, but couldn't find any. They settled on butter and told her to boil it. Then they duct taped her mouth, hands, and feet. As one man searched for the money, another removed the tape from her mouth and gave her water. He then ripped off her dress and rubbed the melted butter on her chest. Authorities say they didn't believe there was any sexual overtone to it. Bullshit! Bullshit! This is horrifying! No, 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 no. See, if I don't know about anybody else, but if I was a woman and if I was in that situation and some strange man was rubbing any kind of oil over my chest... I'd be thinking he'd be trying to rape my ass. That's why it's horrifying. Exactly. It's like, it's like, no. Guy wanted something more than just whatever you had in your house, whether it was money or whatever. He wanted more than that. He wanted your body. 
Why is this in our list of stories? You usually grab funny things. This is terrifying. Because it said less than 24 hours after they were held hostage at gunpoint, it happened again. Like, this happened before. Like, they were held hostage shortly before that. Which makes it more horrifying. Yeah, it's just... What is wrong with those people down there? Ah, and they were they were Jamaican, apparently. Yes. They were Jamaican, man. Now, we're going to rob your place, man. And then we're going to rub cooking oil all over your boobies. Jamaican me crazy. <laughs> uh. Okay, just so people know, the reason we know that is because we're looking at the bottom line here. We get, that hadn't been yet said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's in the written yeah. story. <laughs> yes. That, and they're not believed to be city residents. They're out-of-towners. So, I, li- I like this quote here. Intimidation is commonly used during home invasions, but using hot butter is unusual, police said. Yeah, really? Very, yeah, really. really? Like, using hot butter is unusual. I did not know that. It's like, no shit. Ugh. I was willing to accept that, but now I know. Yeah. I shouldn't be expecting any hot butter attacks anytime soon. That sounds like a porno. <laughs> Oh no! Oh. Hot butter attacks. Oh, that's 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 gonna be the name of a of a rule thirty four slash fic. I know. Oh, I can just see it. Uh, moving on to the our last full story from Raleigh, North Carolina. Johnston County school officials have upheld the suspension of a fourteen year old student who says her nose piercing is an article of faith. Which faith? That's that's what we're getting to. The legal director of the state chapter of the American Civil Liberties Union says the school district made its decision Tuesday. Katie Parker says the ACLU is now weighing its legal options. The ACLU is representing Ariana Ayacono. Ayacono. Yes, there's actually this thing there, and I did it. Oh, wow. The pronunciation in the news story. Yes. That is beautiful. Yes. Who has been suspended from Clayton High School since last month. Ayakono and her mother belong to a religious group called the Church of Body Modification. The school says her nose stud violates the dress code, but the ACLU believes the Ayakono's rights are being violated by the policy. Okay. Wow. I believe that if the school, I'm assuming it's a public school, mm-hmm. and thus public school is funded, I'm thinking, isn't it funded by taxpayer dollars? That's making it sort of a governmental thing. Well, it depends on the public school. It depends on if it's a standard public school, if it's a um, magnet school, which is technically considered a public school, or if it's a township school. Township schools are generally private funded. I went to Ben Davis, and they got a whole bunch of their money from Eli Lilly, Ah. which is why that place is entirely too decked out. You know, pimp my high school. (laughs) Yeah. But assuming, assuming for the minute that this is just your regular public school funded by taxpayer dollars. Mm-hmm. If it's funded by taxpayer dollars, thus it's funded by the government because they use our tax dollars to put it there. Thus, you know, saying that somebody can do something because of their religion, would that sort of violate church and state there? Actually, no, because saying that they can't do something with religious rights, this is the argument. Okay. A place funded by the government, somebody has something that's with their religion, saying that they can't do it, violating their religion, violating um, the First Amendment. Ah, that's right. Freedom to practice. Yes. Okay. I mean, and I... Yeah, can... Except for church and state, technically not actually a... 
I'm actually not going to go there because there's entirely too much to say there. Yeah. Let's up now before this entire thing turns into a political upheaval. Yeah. But the point is, I think the point I was trying to go for is, okay, so it's a religious thing, but there's also the dress code. I mean, on the one hand, I can see, you know, not wanting to violate, you know, the religious rights of this particular person. But on the other hand, this is a high school. And there will be high schoolers out there that would probably harass her, or they would at the very least complain, you know, why does she get to wear a nose ring? We don't get to, because it's part of her religion. And then you'll probably see about 50 million people going out, getting nose rings, and claiming it under religion. Well, here's, here's the thing. Um, what does it matter if they have a nose ring? Like, well, to me, to me, dress code, I never really got the, the stern dress code thing. Because, I mean, really, dress code should be there to stop kids from dressing inappropriately, you know, wearing a tube top to school or their underwear or whatever. Hey, 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 if some chick with nice tits wants to wear a tube top to school, I am not going to stop her if I'm a high schooler. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, like, you know, things that are sexually inappropriate, things that don't belong in a school. But things like, you know, schools that say you can't have spaghetti straps that are too thin or, you know, you can't wear a nose ring. What does it matter? Like, it's not any of their business. Yeah. I have two words for you that were used to excuse almost every stupid shit that was ever put forth in any dress code of any school I went to with the exception of the Catholic one. Uh-oh. Gang signs. Uh, now, now I will, I will say this. I, I did go on about, you know, the dress code thing. I will say this. I think, you know, banning nose rings, stupid. I do I do agree with that. So I, I do agree with Lupa on the whole stupidity of the nose ring well, ban. yeah. But at the same time, if it's the rule, then, you know. Well, here's the other thing. Why um, is school in the first place? I mean, if the other kids want to say they're part of the church of body modification to so they can wear nose rings... Go ahead. Why does the school need to bother with the nose ring rule in the first place? Yeah. Well, well here, here's the other thing, though. Um, <clears throat> at least when I was in high school, there, there's going to be at least somebody there who is your heavy theater techie who is going to be more than happy to provide anybody who asks and or pays for it with the proper amount of makeup or special inserts to have a piercing that is there that if you know what to look for, you can see it, but if you don't, you can't tell. I actually offered to do this for my ginger because we wanted, I was talking about getting his ear re-pierced. He's like, oh, the military won't let me. I'm like, honey, I can hide it and they will never know it's there. Oh. Because I can. I am that good. I hate makeup. I do stage makeup. That's what I can do. There you go. But if you you can do that, banning body piercings it's kind of stupid because on the one hand you're going to get people who are going to go around the rules on the other hand you're going to get people who hate the rules and aren't going to listen anyway and on your invisible third hand you're going to have people who are going to be just that good and it's going to push them not to listen to the rules but to find more awesome ways of breaking them without your ever knowing yeah I I do see that oh man (laughs) oh We went on quite a bit for that one, didn't we? We do that. It's because public schools are dumb. Yeah. Says says the guy who graduated from a public school. Also, I graduated from a public school, too, but they're dumb. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, hey. They do dumb things. <laughs> yeah, very much it's so. It's private school. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. People do stupid things in the name of children. Yeah. Boom. Uh, and the last thing before we go to break, this is not a full news story. I didn't get the news full, full news story on this one. But the art, the title of it just really tickled me. No busts yet in Victoria's Secret bra thefts. I had to put that in there. (laughs) Uh, So we are going to go ahead and take our break, enjoy some music. Hopefully there will be something else in there with you this week because the past couple weeks has just been music. Hopefully I'll have something else in there for you. But stick around on the other side. We'll have some theater history, and then we will interview Obscurus Lupa for you. So catch you guys on the other side. is an RPG, the only one that I need, it's the RPG for me, Final Fantasy is all that I play, all other games are lame, it puts them all to shame, I only play games that are popular, I only buy the games the matches is only to buy, that way I know I get good games for sure, I may have a shallow mind, but you can just lie behind. It consumes my life, and that is probably why I'll never have a wife. I know fantasy has awesome music, and that's probably why it always gets remixed. I always buy the soundtrack to each game, which is the only thing that I will listen to. Oh, sure, one day it may drive me insane. You may think that I'm a fool, well, I'm here to say it's cool. On PlayStation 2 With music by Nobu And graphics I want to It is Final Fantasy number 10 Must save the world again Right here from my own den Hopefully I'll get through the game just fine I don't know why I continue to play each game They'll be making these till the end of time Oh I guess that I will pay For these new games still do stay do 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 Remember, folks, when going for your free roadside sex toys, always go for the Black Mamba. And we are back. Hope you guys enjoyed the break segment there. Oh, excuse me, it is... Oh, oh, and I didn't do this earlier, but for those of you who do play Guess What Gomer's Drinking Game, I am drinking my beloved Lambic. Yes. Mm. It is the... uh, it is the framboise, framboise, however you pronounce it, lambic. It's the raspberry. Um, and if Shona's listening, she will probably come and smack me for mispronouncing it, but I don't care. Spell it. Huh? It is, um, I don't have the bottle on me. It's actually poured into a glass because I got it. I have a, I have these like big pint and a half bottles that I normally don't drink all in one sitting, but I made an exception for my birthday night. Thirsty boy. Yeah. Well, mainly because I am doing show and I don't want to be buzzed or drunk by the time I'm finished, so. 
So, um, so oh, yeah, I, I had a sober I was drinking, and I was drinking straight out of the bottle. Yeah. You know, the size of my head. Uh, plus, I like to keep it a little cool. I like to make sure it's cold throughout the entire show. So, ah. but it is good. It is my beloved Lambic. Everybody who follows me on Twitter or watches any of my stuff or anything has knows that I love this stuff. I, I sing its praises all the time. You sing? So, well, not literally. <laughs> ah, but anyways, with with the uh, uh, drink talk out of the way, let's get into some theater history. How about it? Yay! Yay! So, so, starting with October 3rd, in 1962, Anthony Newley stars in the Broadway debut of his musical Stop the World, I Want to Get Off, at the Show <gasps> Theater. This allegorical... I love that show! <laughs> this allegorical show about an everyman was written by Newley and Leslie Bricus, with Anna Quayle co-starring. The song, What Kind of Fool Am I?, would become a hit, and producer David Merrick will prove himself no fool in his PR tactics. When faced with a mediocre New York Times review of the world, of world he translated the critique into Greek and ran it in the show's print ads. A yeah. first version of Stop will, would be released in 1966. Man, that's something else from my plate right there. <laughs> uh, October 4th, 1982, Gomer the Ranting Thespian was born. <laughs> no, I... I, I I actually, I actually have an actual one. You are a piece of theater history. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but in 1962, same year, very next day, every producer longs to hear the phrase, long line at the box office. David Merrick self-actualized it this day. The day after Stop the World, I Want to Get Off open on Broadway. Based on his reviews, Merrick closed all but one of the windows at the Schubert Theater box office, forcing ticket buyers to stand in one long line. Yay! That is awesome. <laughs> I love that show. I really do. It is fantastic. It is one of the reasons why, actually, I wanted to get in to theater because apparently somebody was doing it at some point and they were airing it on TV. Yeah. And I got to see little bits and pieces of it because I wasn't really allowed to watch very much of it mm-hmm. due to adult themes and whatnot. Right. It's, like a, it's like one of the songs, you know, that whole, my mother said I never should walk with little boys in the wood. Hmm. Um, I don't remember the rest of it, but that part I remember. And I saw bits and pieces of it, and I saw two of the iconic bits of where he actually says, stop the world, and goes into one of his rants. <laughs> and I just thought it was so spectacular, and it was so well done, and I wanted to do that when I grew up. I really did. Oh, cool. Like, I pointed, I'm like, I want to do that. That right there. That is beautiful. Hmm. Of course, I've never seen it all the way through since, which you would think that I would, but I can't find it anywhere. Nobody's playing it. I can't find a copy of the bit that they put up on TV. I'm a very sad Renee. Aww. Aww. Well, we'll, we'll have to, okay, we, we have a mission for you guys. Go out and find this for her. And Yay! Let her know. I, I will be your best friend forever. Yay! I, I, I may even, you know, do something awesome like, you know, write you a poem or something. Yay! Uh, October 5th, 1927. The Broadway premiere of Dracula, an adaptation of Bram Stoker's novel, which fathered generations of film and stage adaptations. The original Broadway bloodsucker was played by Bela Lugosi, who would recreate his career-making role on film. Now, that I did not know. I knew he played Dracula in the movie, but I didn't know that he he also did it on stage. Well, if you stop and think about the nature of his performance, that kind of makes a whole truckload of sense. Yeah. I mean, um, 
the majority of the character, the maybe the entirety of the character, I only saw uh, that particular film once a long time ago, and I was half asleep, so bear, <laughs> bear with me here. Yeah. But uh, most of the characterization of the way that he played Dracula was uh, in the nonverbal movements, yeah. which were very well done. Uh, slightly exaggerated, but it kind of fit. And it, now that I stop and think about it, that fits theatrical performance and theatrical rehearsal to a T. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think back then, um, actors on TV and in movies um, were a lot more theatrical about it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so much about realism. That was just the, the style at the time. So I think a lot of them were, you know, the, the way they performed was, you know, like they were doing a performance on stage. You know, you're doing a character and you're doing a, a lot of big movements, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, I just read that one. I was about to go to the same one. October 6th, 1948. The original Broadway production of Tennessee Williams' Summer and Smoke opens with Margaret Phillips as Alma Weinmiller. It runs a a disappointing 102 performances and is still considered minor Williams until a downtown production in the 1950s establishes the play's reputation and that of its star, Geraldine Page, as well as helping to ignite the off-Broadway movement. I don't know why I put still in there earlier, but oh well. But so that off Broadway being a fantastic way to get into the playwriting business. Yeah. Not necessarily off off Broadway. Um, that's usually a fantastic way to get into the annoying people in coffee shops business. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but yeah, so I mean, off Broadway, good stepping stone apparently. Yeah. Yes. Very good. Uh, October 7th, 1882. Three days after I was born. The Winter Garden Theater hosts the opening of what will become the most successful musical in the history of Broadway. Can you, either of you guess what it is? Cats. That's what, it. That was my guess. Yes. Yes, it is Cats. Andrew Yay! Lloyd Webber's of the T.S. Eliot collection of poems, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats, boasts advanced sales of $6.2 million before it even opens. The show, was, the show has sound and special effects galore, no dialogue, and a diva in the making in Betty Buckley, singing its most memorable tune, Memory. Cats win seven Tony Awards and... Bad pun bad. <laughs> yeah, I, you can tell I did not write this. Actually, that that does sound like something you would write. Yeah, I thought you're saying ew because of the song Memory. No, I love that song. It was a bad pun. (laughs) No, I annoyed people with that song all the time. Entirely too much. Are you kidding me? I don't know. It is kind of a bad song, though. (laughs) (laughs) I was in junior high. Forgive me. Ah, there you go. So Cats wins seven Tony Awards and plays in more than 250 cities around the world. By the time it closes on September 10, 2000, Cats will have played Cats played um, 7,485 performances, far outpacing previous long-run champ A Chorus Line. That's a lot of damn shows. I actually haven't seen Chorus Line. Yeah, I have to wonder how many recasts did they go through? I mean, it's a lot of Jellicle Cats. Yes. Yeah, but Jellicle can. Mm-hmm. And Jellicle do. 
Yes. Excuse me now. <laughs> October eighth. Oh, oh, hold on, my, my cat is is now wanting oh. to divulge her opinion, yes. and now she's jumped down and is licking my foot. That that is wrong. <laughs> she she kind of sniffed toward the mic as if she wanted to say something, <laughs> oh. and she changed her mind. My cat just tries to eat my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it would be difficult for my cat to eat my mic, considering it is embedded in my laptop. Yeah. She would have to tear it apart first, and then I would almost forgive her, because then I could get at the keyboard. My keyboard has stopped working. Yay. Wait. Yay. It's not, not a yay. What am I doing? <laughs> I, I, my mind was still on Kitty, so it's like, yay, okay. Kitty. So, okay. October 8th, 1936. Hamlet opens tonight at the Empire Theater. John... Gilgood in the title role racks up 132 performances, a record at that time for any Shakespeare play on Broadway. Guthrie McClintic Ooh. directs this production with sets by Joe Milziner, Lillian Gish is Ophelia, and Judith Anderson is Gertrude. I just have to put that in there because I Shakespeare, you know. Because, <laughs> you know, I've never really heard much of Shakespeare doing, doing much on Broadway. I mean, yeah, Shakespeare is, you know, the great playwright. has all these great plays, but I I personally don't hear about him much on Broadway. So, uh, Which we... play was this again? Hamlet. Uh, that kind of makes sense, though. Yeah. Hamlet almost uh, lends itself, if a thing written, you know, very, very, very long ago can lend itself uh, to Broadway. It, it, it's well, then again, like just about any Shakespeare. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, we have October 9th. Rock musician John Lynn of the Beatles, born today. He contributes a sketch to the review O Calcutta, which goes on to run 5,959 performances on Broadway. So yes, even John Lennon. No, 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 nothing. Nothing is, apparently is, you know you know, detached from John Lennon. Except your ability to speak without stammering, apparently. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> that was a stammer density ratio, the likes of which has not been seen on this show. Yes. Uh, hopefully we'll never be seen again. <laughs> we hope. Uh, so oh, that is it for... Yes. So that is it for this week in theater history. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And now we get to interview our special guest Obscurus Lupa. <laughs> dun dun dun! Yes. As dun, I mentioned, yes. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, she is a contributor for That Guy with the Glasses who reviews Z-grade movies. I believe you also have another series called Manic Episodes. Mm-hmm. Yes, which I personally have been enjoying very much. I enjoyed your Cyberwoman one, by the way. Thank you. If for no <laughs> other reason than because I am a little bit of a Torchwood fan. Torchwood! Like you know what? No one admits that they're a Torchwood fan, like, without some hint of embarrassment. Like, it's always a guilty pleasure. It's not a, you know what? Torchwood's a good show. <laughs> I like Torchwood. I love Torchwood. I followed Torchwood. Most of it is because John Barrowman. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, John, John Barrowman. And Chick with Welsh I, accents. I'm sorry, but you got me right there. All right. I, I love John Barrowman, and, um, I mean... He, he's a very hammy actor, okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, 
and it worked for his role for the most part. But the best parts for me are like when he really has to deliver a line seriously, but you just you just can't take it seriously. Like when uh, they have the, the freaking space whale. Oh. And, uh, what have they done to you, my poor friend? And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Let your your sparkly teeth do the talking for you there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So okay. Although I have to admit, the um, Children of Earth miniseries. I think I'm misremembering that. I am misremembering the title of that. Holy, holy wow! No, you're not. Oh, Actually, you're no, not. I'm, not. I'm not. Oh yay! I misremembered that. I misremembered. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Children of Earth pisses me off because that's why people, what people used to justify, like they're like, you can't make fun of Torchwood because that was really good. And I'm like, no, it was really awful until then, and even then, I didn't like it because it killed off all the cast anyway. Yeah. Like, I mean, no, it, it was, it was. They only killed off one person. They did, but um. And let me tell you, there was a huge backlash from the actors actually when they heard about the decision to kill Yonko. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, like, it was a really well-written story, but the reason that I like Torchwood is because of how bad it is. And I don't know, people, like, people have complained to me about that before, too, that they, um, they don't get, you know, why I didn't like Children of Earth. And I'm like, well, it's because it's not Torchwood to me. Yeah. I like Children of Earth because example. it was interesting, because it was well put together, but I like Torchwood in general, but it's nice to have... At least one episode, or in this case, a miniseries, where you can have some actual, honest to God, serious character development, and then go back to, you know, now let's see how they go back to the way things work. I think uh, Doctor Who has done that a couple of times, and once again, Doctor Who being a thing that you like because it's terrible. Well, you know what? They they kind of equate being really serious and being really adult to character development. Because I mean, you know. You can have I don't know, like, like, we learned more about the characters, um, we did, like, a, about their families especially, mm-hmm. but, um, you know. Why do I have the works of Jan, of Jan Yu running through my head right now? I don't know. But I don't what is, I like, know uh, who that person is. Meet a man, know him for some odd years, break bread with him, uh, take them, you know, take him to the edge of the volcano or something, and on that day you'll meet the man. It's kind of, I'm massively butchering that all over the place, and my fellow brown coats can blow me, but um, it's kind of that sort of a thing. People think that they only really know a person if they've seen them go through some sort of a tragedy, which is, to a large extent, bullshit. But it's also one of the things that storytelling kind of relies on, especially in the adult market. I don't quite understand why. But you know, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so, so okay, we got we got first question, and then I ask this of every guest. Well, just about every guest host we have on here is what is the extent of any theater experience you have? Um, I've been doing theater since freshman year of high school. Um, I was in Brigadoon. Flapper, Anne of Green Gables, Brave New World, High School Musical. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and I did some theater stuff out, outside of uh, high school as well for a couple of years. Um, I did Macbeth, um, Arsenic and Old Lace. <gasps> oh, 
I was thinking Old Lace was the last play I did, actually. Um, I, I haven't done anything since doing the videos. I find I like them a lot better It's uh, because it's something I'm creating myself, something that I, I have control over creatively. Um, and it, sometimes you find in the theater world people get egos, and they, they don't always earn them. And um, Yeah. But, I mean, I, I always like acting and, and becoming someone else, and that was a lot of fun. And it really, theater kind of helped me to... Uh, break out of my shell so to speak like like i, I was really shy before that but it's uh you know, really glad like, without that we would not have a lupa yes <laughs> and that would be a sad sad world yes <laughs> I, I i had to squeeze when you mentioned arsenic and old lace because that was also the last show that i was in uh, yeah who who did you play in it again i think you mentioned but i actually had a dual role i had a play uh, mr witherspoon and i played mr gibbs Nice. Now explain why you had that dual role again. Um, I think it was because there was because our director he didn't want to have too many people in there, and since the parts were so small, anyways, when he said, "You know what? Just take them both, man." So he put me in that, and for a while I did have a bit of a problem separating one from the other as far as performing them the wind. You know, well, not performing, but rehearsing them until. And the reason why I did was, for some reason, I felt holding myself back. I don't know why I was, but I was. And then I was going through, and I did this little bit. I have this old man bit that I do sometimes, where I go on about old video games. Like, um, like I, I would go on like, hey, Back in my day, we only had four bits in our video games, and we were happy to have those four bits. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> and the director looked at me, and he's like, Dude, why don't you do that for Gibbs? And I'm like, What? didn't want to push it too far. He's like, dude, just give it to me. So that kind of mm -hmm. snapped me out of it. I don't know where my mind was, why I wasn't doing that before, but oh well. Live and learn. Is also the show where you have the abysmal costume change? Uh, the abysmal costume change. I don't think it was the worst costume change, because this one was actually really relatively simple, because I had, well, I think, what, two acts to be able to get into my other costume. The uh, one, but this wasn't that one. No, that one, one was anything. That. I remember complaining at you about that. No, the other one that was anything goes. Where oh had, yeah, that was had, a quick nightmare. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was my quick change nightmare. But um, this is not about me. This is about Lupa. <laughs> well, when I was doing uh, Macbeth, the director decided to put me in like six different outfits, and I'd have to change like every scene. Ooh, and wow. like it was, just, and like everyone else had like two outfits at the most, and then I don't know for some reason Lady Macbeth is like, oh, I'm gonna be in a different outfit every scene. I was about to ask, who are you playing, Lady Macbeth? Yeah, well, it sounds Lady like a Lady Macbeth thing to me. Yes. <laughs> now I have to ask you, who did you play in Arsenic and Old Lace? I played Elaine. Ah, cool. That makes sense. Yeah. In fact, um, those of you who remember from last week, our co-host last week, Shoni, she was also in Arsenic and Old Lace. And I think she played, um, I think she played Abby. I can't be too sure. I'm beginning to feel left out because I've only ever actually, you know, seen Arsenic and Old Lace and was never really a part of it. Yeah. Ah, sorry. Well, I, oh. I found out that uh, my dad was in Arsenic and Old Lace when he was in high school. And oh my, my brother. God. My brother used to do, um, he, he used to do uh, techie stuff, and when uh, the high school put on Arsenic and Old Lace, he was working on the lights on that, so it's kind of weird, three separate occasions. Wow. <laughs> but it's, it's a popular play, you know. Yeah, I'm having definitely. a Chandler Bing moment. Yes, and 
And I know there's a movie version of it out there that I really want to watch and actually do a review on. And I've heard the movie version is pretty funny, too. It's fantastic. It's a black and white. It's my favorite black and white in the world. It's yeah, actually I... the first time I allowed myself to like something in black and white. Yeah. So, um, but speaking of movie reviews, what actually got you into doing the Z-grade movie reviews? I have a better well, question. So it happened first. What is a Z-grade movie? Okay. Z-grade. Z-grade is kind of like a laughably bad movie. Um, kind of like B-grade, but, you know, kind of more embarrassing. <laughs> so we're talking laughably bad as in Rocky Horror Picture Show or its sequel? <laughs> laughably bad as in unintentionally funny. Um, that's, that's really my only criteria. I mean, I say Z-grade movies, but really my only criteria is is it bad? I laugh. Pause. Pause. I, I have human. Uh, I was not expecting human. Uh-oh. Uh. I don't like the human in my belly. Not expecting. <laughs> uh. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Oh, yeah. Okay, guys, my ginger is back. I was expecting this, but I just wasn't watching the time. I'm used to him coming home at 11.30, not 10.30. So sue me. Oh, good God. We're not part of the Tuesday thing again. I'm in shows, so can I break you later? Yes. Okay. Try to be quiet with your grocery. Oh, I got something for you. Did you get my keys? Uh Uh-oh. Ah. very quiet uh, grocery noising in the background that's kind of hard to avoid. Right. My, my apartment is larger than my last apartment, but still small. Yeah. Well, well hopefully it'll, it won't bleed in too much. <laughs> so we'll, we'll just have to work with it. Like, uh, honey, what are you doing? <sighs> okay. Let, let's, let's just, just interviewing. Yes. So we discussed what the nature of a uh, Z-grade movie. Yeah, laughably bad. I'm, I'm thinking of, like, um, the uh, Darth Vader in Episode 3 moment, where he's realizing that he's lost everything, and he just yells, No! See, yeah, I was thinking along the lines of Zardoz. Yeah, it's probably... Yeah, Zardoz. Hold on, have you done Zardoz? No, no, I haven't. You but... should do Zardoz. It's probably yeah, more along the lines of, of what I do. But every once in a while, I go into something more mainstream. Like, I did Buffy. I did Masterminds. Yeah. Um, wait, wait, you did Buffy? Yeah, yeah I did the Buffy movie. And Masterminds? But I liked those movies when I was too small to understand what Polly meant. Yeah, well, I liked them too. But they're still, you know, um, they're pretty uh-huh. cheesy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I actually have to admit that, you know, actually getting into doing movie reviews recently in like the past month, month and a half for me, I'm actually having to try and find, because I'm doing movies that I do like and appreciate and how hard is it to actually make fun of and make jokes of movies that you actually enjoy? Well, I mean, I enjoy a lot of the movies that I review. Right. But, <laughs> but, is but it... I mean, I enjoy them on a different level. Like, I know they're bad. 
Right. Um, and that's kind of what got me, why I chose to do movies like that. Like, I, I really, I didn't really know what I wanted to do getting into it. Like, really, I liked that guy with the glasses, and I saw the um, the one-year anniversary brawl, and I thought, wow, I mean, that seems like something really fun and really cool to be a part of, and they seem like cool people to work with, like something, a fun project to do. So that's why I decided to start doing movie reviews. And really, the only movie I had on my computer at the time was Undefeatable. And, uh, you know, everyone's seen the fight scene on YouTube where oh, yes. stupid fight scene where they're ripping off their shirts and licking the knives and they're oiled up. And it's just, it was so ridiculous. Wow. It's, it's nice to have fun with movies like that. And, I, and yeah. that's why I decided to continue with that because it, that's really my movie taste anyway. Right. I, I don't like watching movies that I don't enjoy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So it's, you know, very few of the movies are ones that I actually genuinely hate. <laughs> okay. So, uh, let's see. Uh, other questions, other questions. Um, so we got, we got, what pretty much got you into it was watching the one-year anniversary brawl. Um, what was uh, the inspiration behind your doing the whole, I'm sitting here with cognac and a human footstool? Oh, from the, uh, oh, it was the fake opening where, with the uh, hard to kill. Yes, that's the yes. one. Yes, <laughs> um, I that was because I I had this idea of what I wanted to do. Um, this was shortly after I got asked onto the site, and I couldn't tell anyone about it because I had to wait like two months before I could tell anyone. Um, but um, I had this idea. I wanted to find some way to include the uh, the people from the forums uh, in a video. Um, because that's how I got started. That's how people noticed was on the forums. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of great things there that don't, like, shows that don't get noticed. And so mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of give back, you know. Yeah. Um, so I thought, you know, it'd be funny to have this idea where I have changed and become the hotshot uh, movie snob and just uh, reviewing the most pretentious, artsy thing I could think of. And, of course, it's Jerry, the worst movie in the world. So, and that movie I genuinely do hate. Um, oh. So, I mean, that's really the worst movie I've ever seen. And oh. um, I, I decided to, that would be the best thing to review, and then it just sort of went from there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, Renee, do you have any questions? Well, any other questions? Well, I, I asked the main one. <laughs> and that, that was my introduction to Lupa, was that geo. Yeah. Well, that's, um, that's got to be an interesting have... start. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I thought, I thought it was rather amusing. I unfortunately was not able to sit through the entire video because my computer decided to be a bitch. Oh, no. Uh, well, then after we're so done, after you should go watch it. Renee. Yeah. Well, then after we're done, you should go um, watch the whole thing. I, I, will, I, will, I will make you watch the whole thing with your okay. eyes. <laughs> Lots of Steven Seagal montage <laughs> music. <laughs> yes. Ah, uh, I think my I want to say Undefeatable was my first one of yours, which I thought was just it was great. <laughs> so, well, like, thank you. And for a while, when when you were not as um, as often, or at least it didn't seem like you were, I would sit there and I'd be like, okay, when's the next loop coming out? Come on, come on. And then I'd see you pop up on the forum like, yay! <laughs> so. Usually, it's usually about the time I start going yay and cheering for somebody. It's been my luck, you know, within, you know, maybe a month or two, or however long. 
it would they he or she would end up on the site. <laughs> and so far, that's worked. I mean, there, there was you. Nash recently got signed, and I would do that for his videos. You should I, start cheering for us. Yeah. Well, how am I going to cheer for my? <laughs> I cheer for my own show anyway, because I say, "Yay, I updated. I did work. Give me a cookie." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but I've been yanking for Diamond Hagen too. So hopefully, hopefully she'll get up. Of all the people that you've worked with, uh, who has been, like, I want, I want to say uh, the most interesting, but probably I guess I actually want to know the most entertaining to do things with. Not necessarily on the show itself, but, you know, it's between that you've been working on, like, just the process of getting everything together. I mean, who did you enjoy working with the most? You could do, like, a top three list or something. It doesn't have to be one person, but... From your experience of working with people on that guy with the glasses and on the forum, uh, probably the most interesting is uh, working with a policy hack <laughs> with uh, uh, Matt Burkett. He's uh, he, his review of Saga. and that you know it's really interesting because I actually get to do those in person. Yeah, uh, since he mm-hmm. since he lives so close to me, you know, I get to go there and be on the set. And because it's so different than than the normal review show, you know, we get to to do storylines and have action scenes and you know the review is sort of a, an afterthought you know yeah <laughs> but, uh, but it, and you know you get to be in costume you get to have cool weapons it's 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 a lot like you know um you know just being in a short movie and uh having fun and the the set that we're on we were on for episodes four and five it's uh it's a, a place um near where i live actually um and it's so weird because it's, it's, you know, kind of a suburban area, you know, just normal cookie cutter houses. And then all of a sudden, out of, like, like out of this whole normal neighborhood, there's this um, house with, like, corn stalks and a water tower. And it's just really bizarre because it's not the landscape around here. It's basically just, like, dry grass and tumbleweeds and just hills. But this place is just... There's there's greenery everywhere, and you go in the backyard, and this guy is this hoarder, who he he has like washing machines and shopping carts and old tubs and pieces of vehicles and chickens wow. and just all these oh, weird wow. things throughout the yard, and it makes this fantastic set, like for this, <laughs> these these fight scenes, you know, and they'll have like mounds of dirt, and then there's sunflowers, and then there's you know just all sorts of weird things, and so it's it's it was really interesting. Um, and I mean, there's not a lot. There's really only one other person I've done uh, a video in person with, and that was Nash. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun too. Um, you know, we gotta <laughs> get yelled at by the hotel and that to film there. Yeah. Um, we gotta gotta be chased by a bunch of uh, people from the from the convention. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that that was a lot of fun. Uh, other than that. Um, I like doing the the day in the life of Tommy was so collaboration. <laughs> yeah, that was, awesome. <laughs> that was pretty it really, <laughs> It was basically all kind of last minute. I just messaged as many of the guys on the site as possible. I'm like, hey, if you want a cameo, you interested? Um, can you just improvise as Tommy was so on the phone? Just say a bunch of gibberish. It'll make sense later. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> just... know, actually like like uh, I liked all of the the raw footage everyone sent me because there's so much stuff I didn't use that was oh. really great but just for time 
I yeah. had to cut. And uh, especially Doug, he, like, everyone else sort of had these, um, kind of one, uh, you know, they'll say a line and then they'll mm. say another line and kind of like by themselves, they still don't make sense. But Doug had these, like, elaborate stories that he was, was telling about how, like, one day I was flying over New Mexico, not in a plane, just flying. And then I saw a tree, and I thought, why why don't I have a tree? I could use a tree. And then he's telling the story about the knee elves, and that's why you're knee jerks at night. And it's okay, though, because they're doctors. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, well, that, that's just Doug. I can totally see that. I can see him doing that. <laughs> His accent kept changing all the time, too. <laughs> Every time, he was Jamaican at one point. <laughs> I thought to I saw man. You are tearing oh, me apart, man. man. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you're tearing me apart, person on the other side of the phone. Yes. Oh. <laughs> oh, that is definitely. That's definitely one of the most quoted phrases from just from the room in general that I tend to quote around people. You know, like, don't do it particularly well. Eventually, you'll get it. I, I will eventually get it, but but um, I, I think I probably sound closer to Doug's inter- interpretation than the actual Tommy Wiseau's. So, uh, like like I would be messing with like say my microphone for a video or something. It would and it would mess up and not capture something, which has happened. And I would just look at it. I'd smack it. I'd say, "You're tearing me apart, microphone." <laughs> uh. I think it's it's vaguely Russian, is what it sounds like. <laughs> Russian. Czech, maybe? Hmm. Yeah. I Could be Czech. I shall have to do studies and keep in... We need a lingua... We, we, need, we need Professor Higgins. Yes. We must, we must, we must get this. Um, okay, uh, is there anybody, on the side or otherwise, that you would love to be able to work with if given the chance? Oh man, everyone on the side is awesome. Um, yeah, I think it'd be great to work with uh, Brad Jones. Yeah, like I, I think it'd be awesome to 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 work with. Um, he had the cameo in the uh, the Shark Attack three review, which was awesome of him of him because he literally gave it to me like an hour before I was uh, exporting it. <laughs> like it was really last minute. Um, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it, it wasn't sending the message right, and then I'm like, all right, well, I'll go ahead and do it. And he's just like, hey, is it okay? Can I still do it? Is it too late? And I'm like, no, it's not too late. And then he just he's like, all right, I'm gonna go film it, and then he came back with it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like it'd, it'd be awesome to work with him. Um, you're awesome to work with a lot of people on the site, to be yeah. honest. Like, and, and, I, and I do sometimes, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, all right. So um, I guess. I guess with that, we can wrap things up real quick. Lupa, thank you so much for being on the show. You have no idea how much of a pleasure it's been. It, it has been fantastic. Like, I heard that she was going to get you on. I'm like, are you putting me on? Really? <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. That was because you're, you are one of the big names. And I I guess maybe I just haven't been around the uh, that guy with the glasses culture much. But it, it, I, I'm still... One of those people who thinks, oh, you know, the, the big people deigning to come down and be with us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know was... I know you tend to keep going to the your video review section on that guy with glasses 
on at least a pretty regular basis still, or, or at least semi-regular, right, Lupa? Yeah, yeah, I still go there. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's not like it's not like she's too big for to come down and mingle with us little folks. Little people, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. If you think of me as a, as a big name, then I don't know. <laughs> well, you are. You are one of the names. You yes. have made it onto the down scroll. Yes. <laughs> so. And I am I'm actually very proud to say that when I made my thread on Pack Out With The Glasses, Lupa was the very first one to comment on it. So it was like, Aww. so I was like, yay! So, uh, back when I was doing more video game reviews. Huh. Which may still come. It just won't be as often. But, um, anyways, um, once again, thank you so much for being on the show, Lupa. And thank you, everybody, for listening and listening through all of this. Um, until next week, this is Gomer the Ranting Thespian with Obscurus Lupa and Lady Renee signing off. And Lupa, take us out. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, my ragtime gal. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do, Lupa. That'll yeah. do. <laughs>